Blog Talk Radio.
and we praise your holy name and thank you for every opportunity that you have given us. Let us be ready. Let us be pure. Let us be who you need us to be, harmonious with the will of the Godhead until the barley harvest occurs. We don't know when it will be, probably a few years from now, but let us be ready, Father God. Let us be chosen, not just called. In Jesus' name we pray, and thank you, Father God, with all of our heart. With all of our heart, glory be to you, Father, because you are awesome and unbelievably merciful. And now to him, our Lord Jesus, who is able to keep us from stumbling and present us faultless before the presence of your glory, Lord God, in exceeding joy. And to you, Father God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever and ever. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, glad to be here. What a day it has been for me. Um, and uh, I'm going to be straight up with all the listeners. Uh, today, I almost considered uh, canceling the program um, because it's been that crummy of a day. Um, full of, I don't know, what to, how, to, how to, unbelievable things, unbelievable things. And I'm going to share them with you. But I'm also going to let you know that I decided, I thought to myself, you know what, I might, I was thinking about canceling the program and then I thought, you know, because I said to myself, you know what, after all that I've been through today, I'm going to have some wine. I'm going to have a glass, a couple of glasses of wine. I'm going to re- relax. I'm going to kick back and I figure I will go, go, you know, go ahead and do the show. And so then I was in debate. I was like thinking to myself, well, maybe I should call Robert. Maybe, you, should, you know, cancel the show, that kind of thing. And I thought, nope, you know what? I'm not going to. 
because the Christians that are out there that are saying things like Jesus made wine uh, or, or he didn't really make wine, you know, water into wine for his mom. They say things like you can't have any wine. There's no alcohol allowed. And if you have any that you're somehow aberrant and evil and you're going to hell and all this other stuff, it's, it's bull. It's baloney, it's poppycock, it's incorrect, it is not scriptural, and, um, you know, but that's okay. I love them, I love I love the guests that we bring on the show that feel strongly about these kinds of things, and that's fine. All right, what I stand against are things like guns and anything that's going to lead somebody to the pit, all right? But I could sit here, I could do an entire radio show on why it's perfectly fine to have a little bit of wine now and then to relax. Don't even be going on Paul and his instruction to Timothy and all the, the, the scriptures in, in Titus and, and First and Second Timothy in regard to these things. And the very fact that you're calling Jesus a sinner or making up some kind of a fable that suggests that, uh, you know, wine was really water or some other grape juice whatever during them never mind all the scriptures about being drunk and not you know and not being drunk and being a drunkard and all that kind of stuff no 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 they don't mean anything because after all the wine was actually water back then or or some form of you know grape juice or whatever anyway i don't you know i i'm glad that there are people out there that feel strongly about these kinds of things because there's a lot of people that have problems with it but there are a few of us that just go through a hell day like I went through today uh, and the day before, etc. And I, I said to myself, you know what, I, I'm stuck with this live program. If I was going to do like a YouTube video or whatever the case is, I could do it tomorrow. I could do it later, whatever. I could pick a time and it wouldn't matter. But because I'm, you know, I'm kind of locked into doing the live program and I got guests I have to bring on, even when I have a really unbelievable day, um, uh, you know, and I just want to have a little bit of wine, relax, kick back, you know, say the heck with it. It's all right. It's in God's hands. It is in God's hands. And that is where I'm at. That's where I have had to be at now for uh, an awful long time, and I've shared that. I wear my shirt uh, or, or, you know, my, my heart on my sleeve, and the listeners of this program have written me many, many times and have let me know that your honesty, your forthcoming details, the details of your life and how you go through it and how you deal with it and all these kinds of things are a blessing to them because they also experience the same challenges and dynamics and such in their lives as well. And that is my calling. Now, all that being said, for any of you out there who are kind of, you know, that feel this inclination, which I've received before in the past, when I've had a little bit of wine before I did a show, they would say, well, you know, you weren't talking, uh, you know, 5,000 miles an hour. You weren't, uh, you know, you didn't sound like your normal self. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I don't care if I don't sound like my normal self right now, okay? I'm going to tell you straight up. If, you, if you're the type of person that wants to wag a finger at me and, you know, hey, shame on you for having a little bit of wine before the program, do it. Go somewhere else. I welcome it, okay? But I'll tell you something. 
You're probably going to regret it eventually. All right. Now, all that being said, and if you don't, that's fine. You go where you go. I go where I go. We all go where we go. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. That's how it it is. But I'm not going to lie to you, and I'm not going to come on here and say, I didn't have any wine, and I was talking slow because whatever. Okay, I'm not going to do that. But what I will do is I will give you testimony as to why I had a tremendously difficult day today and almost thought about, well, I thought about canceling the show. And then I thought about, well, you know what? There's all these people that rate me all the time because on the flip side of that coin, I have folks that are like, no, no, you know, we've been waiting three days for the for the next show, and you uplift us, you help us to get through our lives, through our challenges, and we need to have that applied Christianity um, uh, element in our lives. We need to be able to hear the things that you've gone through, why you went through them, because we're going through the same stuff ourselves. And you know what? I would rather be an honest, open book. I would rather hold my, you know, put my heart on my sleeve and tell you like it is than just routinely, randomly cancel shows. You know, now if I'm having an um, unbelievably horrible day and it is just I can't deal with it and it's, un, you know, it's beyond, you know, really super bad on a scale of one to ten, it's a 12 in the ugly zone. All right. In that case. I may go ahead and cancel the show, uh, you know, but uh, tonight I thought, well, all things considered, we got Robert Vandrius Mitchell joining us tonight. Um, and, you know, he's fun, uh, has a great sense of humor, and we can, you know, chat back and forth and share notes like we usually do on any of the given programs. And I can share with you some of the headlines uh, that I've collected, of course, with the help of Mary Lee and Vera and some of the other people that help us with the program. But we all know reality. You know, when I went out with, you know, now granted, you know, this is, uh, I'm, like I said, I'm not picking on people that think what they want to think. It doesn't mean it's right, and it doesn't mean they've interpreted the scripture correctly because they haven't. All right? But... I'm not a bishop. You know, when when you look at Timothy, first and second Timothy, and it says, you know, uh, if you're going to pick a bishop to be a part of your church, you do not want to pick somebody who is drawn to much wine. That's what it says, drawn to much wine. Well, why would it even have that in there in the first place if they didn't know that the person could get, you know, feel pretty comfortable after having some wine? Slow down their speech a little bit. Feel relaxed. Okay, that was a gift from God. All right, that's the way it is. All right, but what they were, what what Timothy and and First uh, and Second Timothy and Titus, what they're talking about in their in the dialogue associated associated with picking out who it is you're going to have lead your church, they were simply saying you don't want to pick a drunk to be your bishop. You know, these are the kinds of things that are woven throughout the Bible that a lot of people miss, and I don't. I, you know, and I'm not even a bishop. I'm not an anything. I'm just some meathead that, you know, deals with unbelievable challenges and spiritual warfare problems and everything under the sun that you can ever imagine. And then I got to come back on the show, you know, like click, click, click. Hey, it's Wednesday. It doesn't matter what you went through. It doesn't matter if you have third degree burns. It doesn't matter if you've been lied to by the company that was supposedly been offering you a job and all the other things that that happened. All right. So anyway, on that note, 
um, when I ended the day, which was uh, really, quite frankly, not too long ago. As a matter of fact, I even ordered, I thought to myself, well, you know, normally when I have a couple glasses of wine, I, I, I would, um, you know, have a meal, right? So I ordered um, macaroni grill, and I got myself a nice dinner. Well, wouldn't you know it? It ran behind schedule, and it arrived uh, while the music was playing for the show. So what am I going to do? Am I going to sit here and uh, while you're listening and, like, open up my macaroni grill, uh, you know, spaghetti and meatballs and, you know, stuffed mushrooms? No, I can't. I have to sit here and watch it go cold, which is exactly what happens a lot of times on Wednesdays, which is fine. It's part of the sacrifice that I make to serve God. Now, all that being said, I just wanted to be up front because I didn't want to get a bunch of emails from people going like, oh, you just didn't sound like yourself, you know. You, you know, normally you, you, you talk a lot faster than, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just, you know, I'm just, look, I had a crummy day. And that crummy day does not stop me from having a good time on the radio show, having a good time talking to you, being a real person and not some pastor or somebody who calls themselves a pastor, jumping around on a stage telling you a bunch of baloney that will lead you straight to the pit. Instead, I will point you to the scriptures that, that support normal consumption of a little bit of wine now and then. All right. That's normal. And I'm sorry if there are guests that we bring bring on the program, which, which there are, unfortunately, that I vehemently disagree with who are out there all over the place tell, telling everybody that Jesus was a sinner and that, um, you know, but they, of course, they don't say that. They don't say Jesus was a sinner. What they do is they convolute science. They convolute uh, basic physics. They convolute all the scriptures that are associated with becoming a drunkard, uh, you know, with, uh, with uh, you know, humiliating uh, the kingdom because you're acting badly or whatever the case is. Um, they, they completely disregard all the guidance that is in First and Second Timothy. And that's okay. You know what? At the end of the day, if, if, if their work, if they want to believe that Jesus turned water into grape juice, go for it. But for those of us who know better, that's ridiculous. We know it's ridiculous. We know that when the Pharisees pointed over to Jesus and said, look, he's a winebiber, they were pointing to him because he was sitting on a porch having a conversation with sinners to bring them to the good news of Jesus Christ, okay, and having a glass of wine with them. Otherwise, the Pharisees wouldn't have said he's a winebiber. They would have had no basis to, to, to make that accusation. So a common sense helps us to understand these things. I don't prefer to have a really crummy day before I have to do a live show, but I did. And um, I, I thought about it. I said I'm going to have a little bit of wine, and I hoped that my macaroni grill you know, would arrive on time, that I could have a dinner before I started the show, which would be nice, but it didn't work out that way. Now, all that being said, it's, it's water under the bridge, and I don't care. 
Um, and I and for those of you who have written me time and time again and said um, I praise God for the you know every time that you come on the program you know you've been sick you've had a cold you've had fevers associated with whatever it was I caught over the holidays you know thank you for trying to do the prayer vigil uh, you know as as best as you could and all that kind of stuff I appreciate that I do because I'm just a regular schmuck. There's nothing special about me. The first will be last, and the last will be first. May I, in Jesus' name, please be last. Amen? Praise God. So anyway, I wanted to get that behind me before I explain why, why, um, and before we go into news, uh, in the spirit of doing what I always do, which is applied Christianity, which is, hey, this is what I'm going through, and this is what you might go through or have gone through, and maybe it will help you or not. Either way. The point is that um, here's what ended up happening to me. So I wake up. Now, I'm, I'm going to leave out a whole lot of other things. There's, you know, I, I'll give you a little bit of a snippet of it. I, I won't completely omit it. But in the midst of all of this and all these dynamics in my life and doing the radio show and everything else under the sun, I there's a widow lady that I met, which had to be the hand of God, and we know what the widow what the Bible says about widows. We're supposed to help the widows. Now the Bible's an understatement, so that means if you meet up with a widow who's going through a really hard time, what does it mean to help them? Have you thought about that? Does it mean you go out and slap them on the back and give them a five dollar bill? I don't think so. So anyway, I decided that maybe she would benefit in her incredibly horrible situation, which I it was bad. I mean, there for a while, I will tell you that she did admit she was in tears that they had cut off her propane at her trailer. And the only way that she was able to wash herself was this is a Christian. This is a fellow sister in Christ. Just helping you understand things. For real. As a matter of fact, she wouldn't even come over to my house if I would call her to do some work that I needed to have done. She would not come on a Sunday. She said, that day is dedicated to God. I'm going to be at my church. I'm going to do this. And that's how it is. Then I find out that she had her propane cut off. And the only way she could wash was to take coffee cups full of water over to her microwave, warm them up, and sponge bath with the warm water for weeks and weeks and weeks. Now, I don't know about you, but that ain't, that ain't happening with me in the room. There's no way. I'm not going to let that happen. I know what the Bible says. I will not be a crummy Christian. And it has nothing to do with me uh, thinking I'm going to get some big reward in heaven. It has to do with my heart. And my heart is that I cannot stand to see somebody hurting. I cannot stand to see a fellow brother or sister in Christ going through those kinds of things. And then it turns out she's a widow and her husband died from a brain tumor who she had to nurse him through, which was absolutely horrible. 
and her family, which is left, not many, evidently a couple of daughters, are, I don't know, they've lost their minds. They're psycho or something, and they treat her absolutely horrible. So anyway, long story short, and uh, you know, I let I said to her, you know, she she it was a, it was a mutual conversation, and I said, um, yeah, no, absolutely no problem. You can have that bedroom downstairs, and so she's down there uh, almost every day this whole week fixing up the bedroom. You know, painting it, taking off the wallpaper. She knows how to do all kinds of things, which, by the way, will come in really handy around here because I don't have any help to do any of this stuff. So for her to be here, I have somebody to watch my dogs when I travel. I don't have to, like, freak out about this and freak out about that. She'll she'll be able to do – and she'll be actually be able to help me fix up my house, which is awesome. So as far as I'm concerned, she can live here for free. Now, all that being said – there's um, a bunch of other stuff that's been going on. Um, you know, of course, with her doing all the things that she wants to do to fix up the bedroom and blah, 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 and move this, that, move, you know, this and that into the house and out of the house and all, blah, blah. Well, in the middle of that, I have another guy who just got left out of prison, or not prison, jail. Um, he got in trouble for something or another. And um, then he went into, a, like, a, I don't know, rehab or a halfway house or something. I don't really know all the details. But he comes back to the house, and he's like, he shows up out of nowhere. And I've used him as a, you know, to help me do stuff around the house because I like to help people that are down and out. So anyway, he shows up and he's been, you know, texting me, John, do you got anything? Do you got anything to do? You know, blah, 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 this kind of thing. And I said, okay, Bobby, no problem. Why don't you come over today? You can help Lori do her thing downstairs. And then when you're done with that, um, maybe you can rake the backyard and this, that, and the other thing, and I'll, I can pay you. So anyway, in the midst of all of that, I'm on back-to-back meetings with these billion-dollar companies trying to put out these gigantic five-alarm fires that are caused by the ignorance of the people that I am working with. They're incompetent. But that's okay. I'm okay with that. I thank God for whatever gift he has given me or whatever. And um, I know I'm good at what I do. But so... While this is going on, simultaneously, I am getting up from my prayer time with the Lord early in the morning. Okay, it's like, you know, 4 o'clock. Actually, I slept an extra hour, so I think it was more like 5. And um, anyway, long story short, the first thing on my agenda, most of the time, there's nothing between 8 and 9. As a, it's, it's a courtesy. It's a courtesy. And so we don't normally schedule meetings between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. because we, we want to give people time to get a cup of coffee, blah, 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 that kind of thing. So anyway, hold on a second. So anyway, my first meeting of the day is at 8 o'clock. It is with, with this you know, company, I will not name them, that was one which I prayed over, one which I mentioned on the prayer vigil that appeared to be a highly likely candidate for me to be able to accept another job with another company and, you know, get some of the stress off my back associated with the company that I work with right now. So anyway, 
but it's at 8 a.m., which is kind of stressful in an you know, in and of itself. So then I, I get up and I come in the office. I'm there extra early. I do all the stuff I got to do and deal with the dogs and whatever. And then um, I'm ready for my eight o'clock with this guy. Well, anyway, so I pick up the phone. I'm like, hey, how are you doing? Blah, blah. You know, Mr. Blankety Blank and all that. Um, and he says, hey, we have an offer for you. And I'm thinking, okay, well, now, one hour before that occurred, I was talking to the Lord, praying to him. I had a blanket pulled over my head. I wasn't on my knees because my toe is still hurting, for those of you who know about that. And um, I pulled a blanket over my head, and I was in deep prayer with the Lord for over 45 minutes. Part of what I prayed was, Father, please, if if it is your will for me to take this job, let them meet me at my current salary. That's not a big ask. I just wanted some indication from God that I wasn't getting tricked and duped by the devil and just taking a job because I'm under stress for my current job, that kind of thing. I've learned over the years that those of us who listen to prophecies, who go to YouTube videos and believe what we hear, are getting duped. And we need to learn how to look for confirmations because God will give us confirmations. So I said to him, Father, it's not a big deal. We're not talking about a lot of money. If they really want me, if you think I should go there, let them meet me at my base salary. So I pick up the phone at 8 o'clock. I get the guy on the phone, and the guy comes on, and he comes in, and he lowballs me $5,000 less than my base salary, which is basically a $450 a month cash drop in my pay. And then he gives me this big, long, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, we look at the total compensation package and yeah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, you know, I was very kind and, and nice and, you know, but I knew it was the lineup. Been there, done that. So anyway, I thought, well, this is interesting because that means that God has just sent me a sign that they didn't meet me at my base salary. So I should be a little bit concerned. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. So anyway, I told him, I said, look, I said, you know as well as I do, the initial negotiation of a new job is key. And I'm here to tell you, you're not hitting the mark. I, I looked right at him and I said, you're not hitting the mark. I said, why don't you go back to the people that you answer to, talk to them, see what we can come up with. Maybe we can find a, a middle ground. And um, and in the meantime, I'll double check my per, my current compensation and um, and then we'll meet in the middle. So he runs off and does his thing. Who knows whatever that is. Um, all I know is that in the middle of putting out a bunch of fires at work, which are huge, by the way, huge companies in huge fires that had a lot of visibility all the way to the tippy top of the company, which, of course, normally is pretty stressful. But, you know, what do you do? You know, you just got to give it to God. So in the meantime, he calls me, and I can't answer the phone. I'm live on the call with this huge company. It's global, blah, 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 all this stuff. Everybody's worried. Oh, no, we're going to upset them. It's going to be the end of the world. You know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Which I'm always in the middle of. 
I'm always the person that's in the middle of all of everybody going, the sky is falling, fire is dropping, we're going to lose this client, somebody's got to save the day. And I sit back very quietly and I just tell everybody, it's okay. It's all right. Well, anyway, all this is going on. In the meantime, this guy from the other company calls me while I'm in the middle of a call with a client that is a five-alarm fire. So I can't answer that, so I put it on the back burner, and um, I continue to put out the fires that i got to put out. All the while, while I'm not really getting credit, this is everything when you're a consultant. If you're not getting credit for the hours that you're putting in, they treat you like you haven't performed properly. Okay, you did not get the number of billable utilization hours. Uh, therefore, you are evil and bad, and we must eject you from the ejection seat. That's the message that they send. So I'm like, you know what? I don't care about your stupid ejection seat. I'm going to take care of the client because nobody else is doing that. Everybody else is running around with their hair on fire, having meetings and saying all kinds of incoherent things that don't really matter. At the end of the day, the client is upset, and the client needs to be made happy. In the meantime, this meathead from the other company is calling me up, and he's trying to say this, that, and the other thing. And I finally called him up, and I said, oh, I didn't tell you the best part. So then... Not only does he tell me that he's coming in several thousand dollars less than my base salary, but then he tells me that he want after some discussion about non-competes and do I have a copy, blah, 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 and this, that. He comes out and he says to me, when we hire you, we will expect you to give us their customer lists. That's what he said. And I'm like thinking to myself, okay, I found the non-compete, I read the non-compete, I know how to work around it legally, and I'm looking at it and I'm saying, you're asking me to give you voluntarily customer lists from my current employer? Now, just ask yourself this question. How in the world is that person ever going to trust me? If I'm willing to turn on my current employer, wouldn't I be willing to turn on them? What kind of a setup is this? So anyway, I, I I called him and I said, look, you know, thank you for the opportunity, blah, blah, blah. And I went ahead, long story short, I turned him down. I said, you know, forget about it. Deal's off. You know, thank you for calling me. Have a nice day. All right. So now I've got to deal with all that stress and I'm back to my basic, you know, my current job. And I'm dealing with this billion-dollar company that owns, like, I don't know, like, what, 10 other companies. And they're all stressing out because they have to meet this certain – excuse me for the burps. I, I you know, have a – you know, but anyway, they're, 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 they're freaking out because they have to meet a certification requirement. Now, remember, I told you about this with the ESG stuff. I told you that the World Economic Forum is going to use the, econ the, um, the environmental, social, and governance scoring system to usher in the mark of the beast. Well, I'm in the middle of dealing with this current company who's 
top brass are freaking out because they have until February the 3rd to maintain a particular certification or they will lose business. And they're freaking out. In the meantime, behind the scenes, I've got senior managers and directors that are fighting with each other and upset because this, this project isn't moving forward. And I don't care. I don't care if the project is moving forward. What I care about is ethical, Christian, proper behavior, which means that I am going to take care of the customer, period. All right? So now I'm on private meetings with the customers, CISO and senior leadership and another guy uh, who's part of it, you know, uh, pretty, pretty high up, actually our POC, point of contact. And I'm having private conversations with them over Zoom meetings and explaining to them that we have this under control. We have met with the auditor. The auditor said this. The auditor said that. You have nothing to worry about. Mr. Customer, you were worried about losing your certification by February 3rd, and I am here to tell you, you are not going to lose your certification. And the customer was like, hallelujah, thank God. And he was so happy. Then I had another meeting with one of their other people to explain exactly how everything's going to work. The, the auditor is going to come in. He's going to do this report. There's going to be major nonconformities, minor nonconformities. It's all going to go into the report. And then that is going to become our project plan. And we will remediate and deal with each one of them in, in the proper order. The customer is freaking out. They're so happy they can't. They're popping a cork. They're losing it. They're like, this is the best news we have heard. They, they knew they were dorked. They knew they didn't have an alternative. They're hoping that, you know, my company can throw like 50 people at the problem and that's going to solve it. And it wouldn't have done diddly. Wouldn't have solved it. So um, I calmed everybody down. I got everybody happy. Everybody's like, yay, this is great. What great news. What do we do next? And I put together a diagram, and I showed them how it's all going to work. The auditor's going to come in. He's going to make a report 10 days later. We're going to extrapolate the major and the minor. We're going to put them into these reports, and then we're going to put together a project and an action plan to go and deal with all of those. All right? So then later in the day, I have to meet with the senior directors that are all freaking out because they think that we're going to get in trouble with this client, and they think it's the end of the world. Oh, no, we're not going to get paid. This is it. You know, this is terrible. What are we going to do? And I just took over the meeting, and I said, listen, that is not the case. Here is the problem. The client is worried about A. The client is worried about B, and I can tell you right now, the client is not worried about anything. The client is happy as can be. So right now, we can take it off our plate. The client is thrilled. We have a plan. We're going to move forward. Here's the plan. I drew you a diagram. This is how it works. We are in wonderful shape. And then, of course, they ask me, okay, but... How are we going to make sure that we bring in the revenue from, uh, you know, the original contract? 
because it was this kind of a you know this kind of an assessment or whatever. And I told him, I said, listen, just because it's called that type of an assessment doesn't mean it can't look different than what we usually do. I said, I've already drawn the diagram. All I need to do is wrap it in a report, hand it to the customer, and we collect all of our money, and then we give them another statement of work, and we finish the job. And believe it or not, amidst all that, stress and anxiety and all the dealing with the other company trying to get me to defraud my current company and all the slaps in the face and the garbage and the baloney. My boss, uh, senior boss, the director of the practice, very high up, he said live on the call with other people listening, he said, you know what, John? You are 10 times the consultant that I was when I was consulting. That's what he said to me. And I said to him, nah, I said, I think you're just buttering my muffin right now. So I downplayed it because that's what you do. You don't want to have pride. You want to give the credit to Jesus. And it is. The credit is his. All right. Praise God. So anyway, um, it's been a heck of a day. Um, lots of disappointments, lots of hopes that were, you know, kind of blown up. Um, but they were done so by God. I, I had my prayers. I set my line in the sand. I asked the father to help me, you know, show me a sign. Let me know, open the doors that you want me to walk through, close and slam shut the doors. You don't. And in the middle of all that, all the other emergencies and end of the world and everybody's in trouble and blah, blah, blah. And I handed them a diagram and I said, folks, chill out. I don't care what your title is. This is the answer to the problem. And they all caved. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But it doesn't take away the, you know, the fun associated with the um, the um, incredible stress bomb that hits you coming from eight, eight different directions. Never mind that while I'm on these live calls, I've got two contractors working on the house and doing stuff, and they're not listening to me. I told them, do not come to the office while I'm working. The door is closed. The dogs will bark, and I can't have dogging, dogs barking while I'm on the calls with the clients. Well, what do they do? They come up the stairs and they knock on the door. The dogs bark. I am on a call with clients. So anyway, it's been one of those, you know, especially fun, weird days where I was just like kind of thinking, well, no, I could kind of call the show off or I could just go ahead and say back with it. I'm going to have a little bit of wine. I'm going to do the show anyway, and that's the way it's going to be. And anybody who doesn't like it, go ahead. Go off into your pompous, holier-than-thou little corner and think that you're going to make it. And if you do, praise God. And if you don't, well, you were warned. That's enough. All right. All that being said, to me, it's irrelevant. Okay, I got to do, I got to serve God, and I got to do it in accordance with what the Scripture says, not with accordance with what somebody's opinion is when they misread the Scripture. Now, anyway, all that being said, I wanted to share with you 
the amazing and unbelievable and are you kidding me dynamics associated with this day for me. And this is just one day. This kind of stuff happens probably, I would say probably, maybe, I want to be fair, I would say I have a day like this probably two days per week, minimum, sometimes more, sometimes more. And then on top of that, I got to say to myself, okay, what kind of a mental condition am I in? Can I do a live show? Should I go forward with the show? What do I think? You know, it's a lot of stuff the way, because sometimes I'm so angry that I just can't deal with picking up the microphone, you know, and I don't want to be like a downer, Debbie Downer, you know, that kind of thing. So I just wanted to share with the listeners, those of you who have been following along with this journey that I'm on right now, which I told you, I told you that we get thrown into different boxing rings. It starts at the A ring, the B ring, the C ring. Next thing you know, you're, you're with Rocky Balboa. Every time, whatever it is we go through, it is harder. And it te- can you imagine how hard it is, how hard it has been for me over the last five years to lose as much sleep as I've lost, to deal with the pressure, the unbelievable pressure that has kept me awake an untold number of nights, begging people to pray for my job regularly, Okay, and then to think that I have a new job lined up, that it was probably from the Lord, and then to have them, you know what, I could have taken the cut. It wasn't just a matter of principle. I could have taken the pay cut. That wasn't the point. When they came to me and said that they wanted me to give them customer lists, as far as I'm concerned, that's illegal. That's not only unethical, but it's illegal. And I said, no, I'm not going to do it. I never brought it up. All I did was I told him very nicely, thank you for considering me. But because when I logged in to my workday today, I discovered that they gave me an $8,000 a year raise. That never even came into the negotiation. So they're already lowing me, lowballing me by five grand, and I just got an 8K raise. So all I did was I used that as a, um, you know, just as a way to say, thank you very much. Um, I just got a pretty big raise. You know, I, I, I know maybe you have a counter offer, but, um, You know, I didn't bring up the fact that, you know, you guys are unethical, illegal, and you shouldn't be doing the things that you're doing. Naughty, naughty you. I didn't reprimand them, you know, and say anything about the customer list or any of that. But that really was the the cannonball that went through the bottom of the boat. That was the point where I said, I can't work for a company like this. How in the world, for one thing, if I would ever even consider doing something like that, which I would never do, how in the world would they ever be able to trust me to protect their intellectual capital? If I was willing to roll on my current company, wouldn't I be willing to roll on them? 
so anyway, without getting into all the socio-politic politics, um, you know, with all this weirdness that many of us have probably gone through, um, uh, you know, I wanted to give you kind of a high-level recap of uh, all the ugly that I went through today that made me consider, you know, what maybe I don't want to do the show. Maybe I want to defer it. Um, and I said to myself, you know what? No, I'm not. I'm going to tell the listeners the truth. I'm going to have myself a little bit of wine. I'm going to have a dinner, you know, which unfortunately came 15 minutes late. And I'm looking at it right now. It's staring me in the face. My spaghetti and meatballs, my stuffed mushrooms. I can't have any of it because I'm not going to sit here munching in your face the whole time. How am I going to talk? How am I going to talk if I'm having spaghetti and meatballs? I can't. So I'm caught between a rock and a hard blaze. I was lucky to get my Vienna sausages being a Wednesday with contractors running around the house, fires going all over the place at work, having to deal with an employer that's trying to lowball me and, and make me do illegal things and all this other weird stuff. And then somehow I got to find time to eat between the show. And I thought, you know what, forget it, forget it, forget it. You know what, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm somebody I'm not. I'm not going to, you know what, I'm going to have a glass of wine. I'm going to have a couple glasses of wine. I'm going to have several glasses of wine. And I'm going to do the program and um, and praise God. For those of you who, for whatever reason, I, I don't know, I, don't, I can't explain it, that have written me that say that, you know, somehow I give you peace in your heart. Somehow, the radio shows, as apocalyptic as they are, um, help people get through the week, you know? And I think about that because I think to myself, how you know, if, if five or six or seven or whatever people email me and tell me, you know, Johnny, you know, when you're not on the program, we really miss you. We really miss the program. We would rather you do it and don't worry about this, that, and the other thing, you know, because it helps us get through our week. And then I thought, you know what, all things considered, whatever. You know what, if there are people out there that want to shake fingers because they don't understand their scripture, they want to accuse somebody, they want to be part of the accusers of the brethren who accuse the brethren both day and night and join Satan in his conquest to accuse us of things that are not accusable, that can't be accused about in regard you know, to our behavior, then fine, let them do that. I don't care. At the end of the day, I'm sorry for people that don't know their Bible. I don't care how many books they have written. At the, I know too many people that have written four, five, six books about the Bible that still don't know the Bible a third as well as I do. And I know that sounds puffed up, but I'm sorry it is the way it is. And, and, and it's, I, I'm not going to get into arguments with them. But what I will do is always care and love every single listener of this program. I will always pray for you in tears, asking God to forgive you of any sins that you've committed, even those you don't even know about. I will always beg God, beseech him, that we all make the barley harvest. But I will never lie. I will never pretend that I'm somebody I'm not. I will always wear my heart on my sleeve, and I will always warn you 
even when our own guests come on the program or go on their Facebook page and say a bunch of stuff that is absolutely non-biblical and incorrect, because that's exactly what it is. They don't get it. And what can I say? I, you know, I can't save the world. I walked around downstairs in my dining room, and I, I've mentioned this before, you know, and I was bawling and crying and telling Jesus I can't keep on going with the radio show. I've had a couple of these moments. And he said, look, I didn't hire you to save the world. I saved the world. You have a job. Go do your job. Stop worrying about whether or not everything you do is perfect. Everything, you know, this, that, and the other thing, what, what, you know, whatever things that people say, stop it. Knock it off. That's not your job. Your job is to show up for work. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you because I thought you would get a little bit of a kick out of it because um, it's reality. It's reality. It's what we all go through. If you're one of those people that hate wine and don't want to have a glass of whatever now and then, fine. It's great. John the Baptist, the real John the Baptist, had it said in the Bible, get this, it said in the Bible that he had no strong drink. Did you hear me? It said he had no strong drink. What is strong drink? Is it wine? I'm here to tell you it's not. Why would it even mention drink at all if it wasn't relevant? The problem is we're dealing with a lot of people that mean well, but they are just awful at understanding how the Bible works and the words that are in the Bible. They don't get it. They don't understand it. They can't think through it. They're very, very good, and they're very anointed at what they do. But unfortunately, they come to a lot of incorrect conclusions. And it's my job to keep my mouth shut, let them do what they do the best, and all be part of the body of Christ. And that's what we're called to do, to love one another. And, you know, it's unfortunately, you know, unfortunately that, that that includes some challenges associated with, you know, a lot of the things that we see other people saying, other people believing, the finger shaking and all that other stuff. And we just got to let it roll off our shoulders because we know better. We are actually more blessed than they because God has witnessed to us through his divine wisdom the truth. The truth is Jesus did not sin. Jesus did make the water into wine, just like the Bible said. We don't have to apologize for it. It is a fact. And it's deeply troubling. I keep it to myself. I watch it happen every single day. And it's just, it's just where we live. It's a crummy place. It's a bunch of people that have opinions, and they don't know how to read their Bible with a darn. But we still have to love them. We got to love them. We got to pray for them. We got to deal with it. The pros, the cons, the goods, the bads, the incorrect, you know, oh, the earth is flat and all this other stuff. It's not. 
So we just continue to, to keep on going and we keep on loving and we keep on praying and we keep on seeking God. We keep on drawing in closer to Jesus and that's our walk. But anyway, I just wanted to share the whole big picture with everybody before I started getting emails and saying, oh, Johnny, you just don't sound as sharp and your, your, uh, you know, your voice doesn't sound as crisp. And, you know, it's like, you know, forget that noise. Forget that noise. Today was an exception to the rule. Normally, I don't have the kinds of days that I had the day on a Wednesday, but I did, and I didn't want to cancel the show, so I'm just going to go ahead and continue with the show. I know that Robert is probably dialed in by now, but on that point, I'm going to go ahead and move into the um, news of the program. There's a little bit, not, not too much, but enough to make it interesting. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Here we go. Praise God. This is a, um, he calls himself uh, WEFreports.com, and he's a, uh, he, uh, his nickname for his uh, radio show or whatever you want to call it is um, Rebel News. But he actually uh, treats the people that he interviews very nicely, very kindly, which is smart. Because, you know, it, he'll spend more time getting information than getting drug away by the police. But anyway, I want to go ahead and play this for you. He actually showed up outside the Black Rock facility at Davos 2023. And Black Rock, if you don't know this, is about as evil as they get. They're the tippity-top of the chain of evil, uh, and I'll just leave it at that. So anyway, let's go ahead and listen to this guy's um, little spiel as he does some uh, interviews with the people that were standing outside the Black Rock building at Davos 2023. Here we go. And by the way, a lot of people were waking up to this stuff a lot. I talk to people every day. One of the clients, the one that I had to put out the five alarm fire with and deal with my own management, which was a bigger five alarm fire. Uh, you know, anyway, long story short, everybody's waking up right now, which is good. Praise God. So anyway, let's, let's listen to what this guy's got to say. Here we go. 20, we saw an extraordinary That's a BlackRock guy, Fink. He's in how evil. investors invested. Across every industry, you see a widening gap between the best performing companies in industry and the worst performing companies in industry. Okay. Well, the door was open. Well, I want to understand what BlackRock's doing. I mean, you got your big black vehicles here. Larry Fink's on the board. So what are you guys here to do? Patrick, can someone help, please? Are you running away? As for Levant here in Davos, Switzerland, the whole town has been transformed into a kind of Disneyland for billionaires and oligarchs. There are pop-up 
stores or pavilions behind me is the one for BlackRock. BlackRock normally doesn't have this building here. It's just a temporary design. BlackRock, if you don't know, is an enormous hedge fund. They have over $10 trillion, with a T, dollars worth of assets under management. They're enormous. They've got both sides covered. They're into war, investments in Lockheed Martin and General Dynamics, and investments in peace afterwards to rebuild the country once it's been leveled. Their CEO, Larry Fink, is on the board of trustees of the World Economic Forum. So you can bet that the policies promulgated by the secretive conclave here in Davos do whatever is best for BlackRock's shareholders. And Larry Fink himself is a bit of an ideologue. You'd think a billionaire like him would be a turbo capitalist, but BlackRock is actually a major proponent of cultural Marxism. Although they themselves, as I mentioned, are deeply invested in military companies, and he promotes cultural Marxism, environmental extremism, and he actually weaponizes the investments that he oversees. The differentiation between company A and B in every industry is really changing how investors are beginning to think. And we're seeing now valuation shifts. And that is because of companies' role in their stakeholders and how they are building a better community around their stakeholders. So it's amazing to me to see them at the World Economic Forum, which claims to be about doing good for the world. I have to chuckle because these ominous big black Mercedes vans with the tinted windows here, that's not very environmentally sustainable. There's no electric vehicles here. We walked in earlier. I mean, the doors open. We saw people coming and going. They are extremely secretive, as is all of Davos. Patrick, can someone help, please? Help what? Hi. Hi. I don't know. I'm, I'm talking. She won't talk to me. I don't understand. Okay. Well, the door was open. Well, I want to understand what BlackRock's doing. I mean, you got your big black vehicles here. Larry Fink's on the board. So what are you guys here to do? So I need to go. You approached me, so you're forcing me to go. Hey, where are you going? Where are you going? Are you running away? I mean, my questions are so gentle. They will put on a prepared presentation for you, but they won't answer any questions like, why should billionaires and oligarchs be developing policy, foreign policy, domestic policy, environmental policy, social policy, in secretive clubby meetings in Switzerland in some ski resort? Who gave them a seat at the table? And when they talk about global citizenship, who died and made Larry Fink the king? He's just a money manager. Since when did we elect him to write policies under which we all have to live? Listen here, I just arrived in Davos, and we'll be here all week talking, if we can, to the oligarchs. I don't think we'll get a lot of face time with them. We'll be given the bums rush. But if we have a chance to buttonhole some important people rather than just their flax shooing us away, we'll do our best. Until next report, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel News, I'm Ezra Levan, and to see all our reports, Please go to wefreports.com. If you like what you see, you can also chip in to help cover our economy class accommodations. The World Economic Forum bought up every single hotel room and Airbnb here in Davos. So we're actually staying in a town over in the economy class Airbnb as a big group. If you want to chip in, please go to wef, wefreports.com. Thanks. I'm here in Davos.
All right, all right, all right. So anyway, that was that report, and there is a good feel for what we already know is going on. It's no different than Bilderberg, except it's at a whole new level. And I found out that the company that owns my company has three of their representatives at the Davos convention, at this whole deal. So I'm not surprised. It is what it is. We live amidst Satanism. We live amidst uh, the darkest times that the world has ever seen. And that is our calling. Our calling is to be the light in the darkness. All right. And uh, but we're also called to not be dumb about it. Wise as serpents, gentle as doves. Praise God. But we're not called to be ignorant. All right, praise God. So I, anyway, I wanted to share that with you. I thought it was a pretty good clip to kind of give a person the feel for what's going on there. Um, you know, and, and there's plenty of videos uh, out there for those of you who are interested and articles uh, that are interested in uh, understanding what, they're, what it is that they're actually talking about. Okay, and I, I mentioned that. They're talking about things like limit, limiting the uh, general population of the world to two eggs a week to no more than uh, three articles of clothing per year um, and a lot, lot worse, a lot, a lot worse. Um, uh, but anyway, I just received today my book uh, written by Glenn Beck about the global reset. I got to dig in on, on that. I'm sure there's a lot of goodies in there. And then he's got another follow-up book that, it, that that's supposed to be even more scary. So I will um, do the best I can to thumb through those books, find the gems, and report those on this program so you understand because I know most of the listeners of the program don't have time to do what I do. Um, I am a prisoner of Christ. I don't have time to go out and do the things that you got to do. I don't have the family to deal with. I don't have the kids that, that I got to take to school. I don't have the you know the health issues that some people have. And so my blessing is that I do have the time to some extent to be able to thumb through these books and look for real gems and be able to bring them to you on this program. All right, so I'm going to try my best to do that amidst all of my firefighting at work. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, next headline up. Temperatures in Greenland have been this warm, have not been this warm in at least one thousand years according to scientists reports now of course the question i would ask is a thousand years ago how trustworthy were your scientists reports could it be way more than a thousand years or worse and that's the that's the question it's planet x we know it we know it's coming they know it they know it's coming but they ain't going to tell us. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Headline. Since, science, uh, since Biden's inauguration, anonymous Chinese donors have poured millions into universities that house his think tank. 
Now, first off, if anybody thinks that Biden is thinking about anything about uh, other than, you know, putting on a new diaper, they're kidding themselves. He's an entity. He's a reptilian. He shapeshifts. He's evil. He drinks blood. He's as bad as he gets, and he's a puppet. All right. And Obama is behind pretty much just about everything that this guy says. All right. Not to mention Obama is totally influenced and part of the cabal associated with the World Economic Forum. But we should all be able to stitch that together. It's just one big group of ugly, evil Satanists. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Head transplant surgeon now thinks brain transplants are feasible. And, you know, what can I tell you? You know, okay, we're going to change your head. Now we're going to change your brain. You know, they're feasible. We're going to try this. We're going to try that. We're going to do everything that we can do to change you into something that you're not supposed to be and play God. And that's exactly what God is going to punish. Praise Jesus. All right, next one up. Hallelujah. Cryptocurrencies to control the masses are being discussed at the World Economic Forum right now. And a guide uh, released to encourage the the development of future crypto-based economy. Now, listen. For those of you who don't understand cryptocurrencies, you don't really need to. All this really means is eventually all money will be tracked through an electronic manner. You can call it cryptocurrencies. Well, that's kind of a misnomer. In the sense, a cryptocurrency is simply a currency transaction that is cryptologically, supposedly, um, not something that other people can see happening. It's supposedly, you know, contained in this little world that's completely cryptographically contained and nobody can see who puts money in nobody can see who puts money out and i'm here to tell you that's the biggest pile of bovine feces that anybody ever bought off on the basic fundamental reason for cryptocurrencies is because it establishes the revelation 13 beast government and the ability of the world to be able to operate on 100 percent electronic money end of story all right praise god thank you jesus next one up here we go wall street fears this is from market watch uh wall street fears uh, uh, fears gauge flashes warning that stocks might be headed off a cliff. Okay, this is just one of many, many reports that we get every single show cycle that talks about, you know, J.P. Morgan Chase, the CEO, whoever it might be, warning that the world is heading toward a gigantic cliff that's going to jettison us into a collapse of the dollar. And and that there is a three-hour show by itself. And there are some really good programs out there, by the way, on the Internet that do a great job uh, talking about these things and focusing an entire, uh, I don't know, two, sometimes more than two-hour program on just that subject. And by the way, they will still leave you wanting because two hours ain't enough. It's too complicated. All right, praise God. Next one up. Elko County Health Board to consider banning COVID flu vaccines. So you have 
these pockets of governing bodies, uh, sometimes county level, sometimes state level, as is the case with DeSantis. And by the way, just so you know, I was reading an article uh, uh, about the agenda of the World Economic Forum at Davos. It's in progress right now. And one of the things that they came out and publicly, publicly said was that DeSantis is a real problem for them. In fact, what they, they mentioned Texas, too, and essentially what they were saying is their, you know, essentially, you know, their goal is to break down all the governance, all the people that stand against them and get them to sign on with this whole ESG process so that, you know, they can harmoniously collapse all of our freedoms into their version of the beast government of Satan. All right. So they're calling out people like DeSantis in Florida and other places and, you know, the governor of Texas, et cetera, and saying these people are problems for us. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean they're going to assassinate them? Does it mean they're going to uh, use, uh, you know, uh, 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 fraud to vote them out of their positions or whatever? The, I, we don't know. We don't know. But it is quite interesting to note that they have called them out in their special clandestine meetings with their great concern about that which stands in their way of destroying, uh, you know, any semblance of what we know as freedom. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Putin could could be ready to announce a second mobilization drive. Now, this is what I have been talking about for weeks and weeks now. I brought on uh, Dr. Uh, or I'm sorry, Colonel McGregor. I brought on Scott Ritter. I played their audios. Uh, you know, they have been warning people that incredibly large numbers of the Russian Federation forces and equipment, very advanced equipment, is completely surrounding the Ukraine. The Ukraine is currently collapsing right now, no matter what you're told, and it is a travesty. Now, that being said, this article is from mainstream news, and they are coming out and saying, look out because Putin is ready to announce a second attack wave against uh, the Ukraine. Well, it's already in progress. Soledad has already fallen. Bakhmut has almost already fallen. The, the land that has been gained by the Russian Federation is noteworthy. There is much uh, dialogue and discussion over whether or not the actual Ukraine, what's left, what's left of the Ukrainian army, whether or not they may turn against Kiev, uh, knowing that they're doomed, and go back and topple Kiev, which has happened historically. Uh, in you know, so so the question is, do they do it? We don't know. All right, so we just got to keep on watching. Next one up. The expose reports Fauci lied, children died, secret CDC report confirms that 120,000 youngsters died suddenly in the United States, just the USA, uh, by October 22nd following a rollout of COVID vaccines. So if anybody is surprised by this, don't be. And whatever you see or whatever we report on this program, expect it to be many times a magnitude far worse 
than what we're reporting. It is absolutely horrible. But I told people in the very beginning of the pandemic, and I played audio uh, snippets from experts in the industry that said that the mRNA vaccine would, would attack the immunosystem of all the people that were injected with it and ultimately lead to deaths of many, many, many different kinds over a long period of time. I played that on this program and I have that audio on tribulation-now.org. And that was two plus years ago. So all we're seeing right now is other news media outlets identifying that this is a fact, reporting it now when it's way too late. It's sad. All right, next one up. Iowa is hit by the first January tornadoes in over 56 years. And this particular um, article shows, um, you know, kind of a panoramic view across the countryside of uh, Iowa with what appears to be, to me, as far as I can tell, one, two, three, four very large tornadoes, one of them probably an F5, uh, on the ground in Iowa. And they're claiming that this is a 56-year high. All right. And I suspect it's far worse than that. Next one up. The FAA has very quietly, tacitly admitted that the EKGs, this is scary. This is scary that the EKGs of the pilots are no longer normal. Now, you have to understand that pilots are monitored in the cockpit while they're flying from the ground. They monitor their heart, they, you know, their health, their vitals while they're flying the plane. And the FAA has essentially come out and said, uh-oh, the EKGs of our pilots are no longer normal. Now, you can read into that whatever you will. I read into it what is likely. And what is likely is that planes are going to start falling from the sky. Now, if I'm lucky, it'll be one of the ones I'm on, and I can go home to heaven. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, next one up. Wall Street Journal reports that at Davos home of the World Economic Forum, that the mood is somber as many CEOs question the economic outlook of the world for all the right reasons. Praise God. Next one up. Wall Street, uh, I'm sorry, Washington Post reports, the worry in Davos is globalization is under siege. And so what they're doing is they're reporting all of the um, different countries, different country leaders, different states of, of uh, you know, different governors of different states in the United States that are fighting back against them verbally and vocally. And they're raising a concern regarding it because they would like no resistance. They would like to be able to implement their plan with as little visibility as possible. But they're concerned that there's a higher level of visibility, which there is. And um, and I think it's great in the sense that, you know, we're on to them. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean they're going to stop doing what they're doing? I don't think so. All right, next thing up. 
Keep the bugs, it says. Beetle burgers are a hit in Massachusetts production to cut costs of traditional farming. This is ESG at its best. This is a case where they're pushing burgers that are full of bugs. Now, you can imagine that any way you want to, but there is no acceptable percentage of bugs in my burger that's okay. As I watch my... um, As I watch my meal get colder and colder, praise God. All right, thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Gateway Pundit says the BBC is the virus. At least six BBC buildings across the United Kingdom are covered with photos of people who died from the COVID vaccine. So the protesters are going up to the actual BBC building and they're taking photographs, very 9-11-ish, of their dead relatives and plastering them with glue all over the front doors, all over the front windows, on signs in front of the building. And I am glad, praise God. Will it make a difference? I kind of doubt it. Next one up. Just in the news reports, unvaccinated military members are still facing repercussions despite rescinded COVID-19 updates at the federal level. Any Anybody surprised? Should I play the... Thanks, Captain You're Obvious. Good. <laughs> Thanks, Captain Obvious. I was on a totally different track. I think we know what's going on. Next one up. Russia to boost troops in the West, expanding army to 1.5 million people. Uh, this is from Bloomberg. Bloomberg is controlled media. So when Bloomberg is reporting that Russia has boosted their troops to 1.5 million people surrounding the Ukraine, that is huge. All right? Understand the Ukraine situation is a lost cause. All right, all that being said, next one up. Ninth severe storm batters California in a major disaster. So all the heck and hell and whatever you want to call it, that California has been going through with their floods, with their uh, torrential rain pours and downpours and, uh, you know, entire housing developments being washed down the street and all this kind of stuff. Well, they're saying now it's continuing and they're on their ninth severe storm battering California. So, again, that situation is not letting up. Next one up. The Epic Times reports that the World Economic Forum declares 2023 the year of polycrisis. Did you hear that? So these satanic entities from the bowels of Sheol that are all meeting to institute the Revelation 13 beast government and the mark of the beast are all saying that this year will be the year of polycrisis. Okay, so if we interpret that to what it actually means, what it means is that we should all expect multiple very significant significant catastrophic crises to occur across the entire year of 2023. What does that mean? We don't know. But they're making the declaration, so it is noteworthy to pay attention to. Praise God. Next one up. 
the World Economic Forum's Living Laboratory in Japan, building futuristic smart cities filled with robots, autonomous vehicles, and 24-hour surveillance. So evidently now it's not just China, it's other places across the world that are building these smart cities, which are essentially really large, kind of like FEMA camps, where they're going to usher in all the people who accepted the mark of the beast and want to live life, you know, as they know it. They're going to move them into the 15-minute cities, which they are currently testing in Oxfordshire, uh, the United Kingdom. All right. So all of this is in full swing right now. Next one up. European Union facing diesel crisis with Russian ban looming, according to Bloomberg. Okay, so now this means trains, planes, everything. It means trucking, shipping. So we were, the United States was faced with a potential loss of diesel for a while, and it raised a number of alarms, and everybody got upset. I pointed out that there might be uh, additional shipments of diesel that will sustain the U.S. for a while. Turns out I was right. Kind of wish I was wrong. But at the end of the day, now we have another crisis looming, according to Bloomberg, in Europe for the same exact reason. Praise God. All right. And on that note, looking at the time, we're way past bringing on Robert Vandrius Mitchell. So let's go ahead and bring him on right now. And I'm sure he's got a lot to add. Praise Jesus. Here we go. Robert, are you there? Hello? Wait a minute. Let me try again. Sometimes the... uh... Robert, you there? Yes, I'm here. Hello and a good evening. Hey, man. How you doing? So, I'm okay, although it is quite cold over here because we've got another freeze, Arctic freeze at the moment here. So, uh, as you may have heard... uh, Devon and Cornwall were already yesterday under snow and they had uh, yellow warnings and all. And this morning we woke up, or Esme, one of my protector altars, woke up and we had some snow on the road so we stayed in because we live on the top of a hill. So yeah, it's kind of dangerous to walk down to town, especially if you don't need to. So the last thing we need is ending up in a hospital. So we stayed at home, and uh, but it's freezing cold. So, but other than that, I'm okay. And yes, apparently in Davos, all those reptiles and shapeshifters and pedophiles are all together, apparently. And uh, but they kind of see that they kind of have a lot of resistance from so-called civilians and countries because well, I, I heard, don't think I heard. that. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to uh delay, but um I heard from others in the UK and I know you're in Wales and you like to believe that Wales is yeah. not the UK and all that kind of stuff, but at the end of the day, <laughs> come on man, it's a it's a big it island. Is. Come on, get over 
Y'all need to get I over know. it. All right. But, but anyway, all that being said, I've heard from others in the UK that there's an incredible number of protests shutting down of public transportation, uh, public uh, services, a lot of stuff going yeah. on over there that is very problematic for the people who live there. Tell us a little bit, you know, a little bit about that. I mean, how bad is it? What do you know? I have not seen much here around here in Wales, except one time I think the postal service uh, has been on strike, nurses has been on strike. Uh, what else? I think even the teachers has been on strike because they are all paid for the government. And so yeah, certainly the national healthcare need to be completely redone because the government, especially. We had 12 years of conservatives in power, and they don't give an iota about the people. So they have certainly completely destroyed the maintenance of the National Health Service. So the, instead, the UK government, in, instead of spending all that money on the borders of Ukraine, while I think 80% of the Ukrainians want to be with Russia, it's only the Western part of uh, the Ukrainians that want to be with Europe. Instead of spending all that money on the Ukraine, as before on COVID, uh, the government is better off spending it a, on uh, healthcare in the UK, the hospitals, but also on on the teachers and, and the postal service and uh, even the uh, the people on the trains. That driving the trains because a number of industries are on strike. It is like back in the 1980s during the time of uh, Margaret Thatcher, the Iron Lady. I remember when during the 80s I was brought to, to the UK for programming at times. You saw thousands and thousands of people on the streets demonstrating, let alone also the demonstrations because of the nuclear weapons stored in the UK, but it seems, certainly in certain parts of the country, yeah, it, I, I think we're going to see a hot summer. I don't mean in temperatures, but I mean more in strikes, especially if the government doesn't care to do anything about it. And the government has not even been able to deal and to enter this whole Brexit BS. We're still dealing with the uh, trouble with Northern Ireland uh, as one of the things. So it's time that the Tories, as the Conservatives, get out. Because they have been 12 years in power and they cannot now blame everything on the Labour Party or any of the other parties, especially on the energy policy. Because the Tories had this pipe dream like the Democrats about green. But they have not put nothing in place if it comes to oil, gas, and all the other things. So it's it's insane. Thank God we only get about 3%, I think, from Russia if it comes to oil and gas. We get mainly most of the things from Norway, among a few other countries. But, uh, yeah, the current government, the, the Tories, they are a disaster for the country. And... I see certainly for the rest of the year that we can have see, that we will see more and more strikes 
throughout the country and in every sector that is still under government pay. So, uh, yeah. So what do you think about the, the WEF? What do you think about them? I mean, is that a collection of lizards like the biggest collection of lizard people that you've ever heard yeah. of? I mean, what's with that? You know, this is too weird for words. I mean, what are we these? Talk about, I mean, we talk about a group of pedophiles and shapeshifters. That is what they are. And uh, now, yeah, they are the open uh, organization, of course, because they are the front organization for all the planning. Well, uh, Klaus Schwab still also takes his orders from the Bilderberg Group because no one is now talking nowadays about the Bilderberg Group. It is only about uh, the, the WEF. But the thing is that a lot of policy workers in government are all members of the of the WEF, and they secretly impl- implementing those uh, those laws or at least those uh, proposals that the EF, EAF makes. And you talked about uh, this uh, pilot. The pilot that you talked about, about this climate emergency uh, lockdown, it's planned for 2024. Because they still have to build all the electronic gates in those cities that will keep people in. And the people are only allowed with a car to go out of town, I think, 100 times in a year. But that's a pilot. It's going to be a pilot for the rest of the UK and the rest of the Western world. I only hope between now and 2024 that more than enough people in the UK waking up to this, in particular in Oxfordshire, and that, of course, they can try to stop it. I doubt that they will, but if enough people waking up to this, uh, yeah, hopefully we can maybe turn things around, but don't expect anything in the media because the media are so clamped down and so controlled by the WEF on top. We have still a lot of other garbage that go through the media, as we see uh, with, uh, with this woke Prince Harry and his book Spare, what takes a lot of air uh, if you ask me in the media, because everyone in the media is focusing on that instead of on the real thing, it's time that this Prince Harry is wake, he is waking up and growing up because he's, he's, he more and more seemed to me like to me like a child uh, that didn't get his uh, Playmobil and now yeah he got a grudge about it. And things, but that takes a lot of uh, time up in the media, and the media don't focus on the things that they should be focusing on. So, but yeah, the WEF, they are the front organization for all of this, but they have a lot of planners, city planners, state planners, government planners as their members, and in and covertly they are implementing more and more of the plans that Klaus Schwab talked about. And it's only only time that more and more people waking up about the WEF. We have already, there is one shining light, one small light, 
and that is apparently the attendees this year were much smaller in numbers than last year and years before. Because a lot of executives in the business world, if they had a choice, they don't want to be in Davos because the WEF had had a lot of flack on the internet from a lot of people. So yeah, they don't want to be seen, of course, as the unelected that will tell the people how to live while they live the opposite. Have you seen a photo uh, about all the private planes that are now over there uh, while they are trying yeah. to teach us about the environment? Yeah. It's, it's, an, it's I saw an insanity. I... You know Say what? Again? No, it's, it's, it, I saw it. I saw it. And it's... Um... You know, do it not as we do, but as, you know, we tell you to do. Um, and yeah. we know that. They're it's, look, they're elites, man. They're elites. Give them credit. Give them credit. Um, they're elites. Elite? They have every reason to tell us exactly what to do. If they want to I'm smash us into tiny us. little cities, if they want to put us into FEMA camps, they're elites, and we're not elites. We don't have really nice Learjets. We are not, you know, we don't have like a million, I'm sorry, like a billion or two billion or three billion dollars in the bank. So, you know what? We're really not a part of them. And they, if, if, you know, it's even crazy. If I had the money, even if I had the money to buy a plane, I wouldn't. Because. All right. All right. All right. Hold on, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Now I got to say something. I have seen. Yeah. I have. Received emails. I have received communications. I have seen communications and people going out there saying, you know, making accusations and going, "Hey, so and so doesn't believe that that uh, Elon Musk is part of the WEF. That Elon Musk is, you know, a, a, you know, actually has a a good heart and he's trying to do the right thing." Well, I will tell you, people that I had a suspicion because I've been monitoring everything that he's been saying now for about the better part of five years. And I am here to tell you he is not, not on the Davos 2023 WEF invitee list. I can give you a list of, uh, I can read off a few of them. I'm looking at this right now. Vice President of Global Business, Meta. Senior Vice President of Regional Executive and Office Business Development for Mitsubishi. Executive Vice President and uh, Chief uh, Regional Officer for Mitsubishi Heavy Industries. Those are the people that make the big backhoes and all that kind of stuff. Chief Executive yeah. Officer of Monto Bank. Head International of Morgan Stanley. Founder and Managing Partner of Motive Partners. Executive Direct Group uh, of, of uh, External Engagement and uh, of Mott McDonald. I don't know who they are, but they're obviously powerful. Editor-in-Chief of Nature, whoever they are. Chief International Correspondent of NBC News. London Bureau Chief of the New York Times. Founder-in-Chief Executive Officer of Nucleo. Chairman of Novator Partners. They're a chemical company. Uh, Co-Founder-in-Chief Executive Officer of Oak North. Chief Executive of ODI. Executive Officer of Office of Communications 
of Ofcom, Managing Partner in Financial Services of Marsh McLennan, President and Chief Executive Officer of Oliver Wyman, Deputy Chair of the Pentland Group, Managing Partner of Pamira Advisors, Chief Executive Officer of Platus Foods, Chief and Senior Partner of Price Water. House Coopers may they die in the lake of Gehenna. All right, co-founder of uh, 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 Re-Return Refills Repeat. I don't know that company. Bl- uh, global editor of Reuters and breaking news in Reuters. Global editor of Ridley Scott Associate Firms. Chief Executive Officer Officer of Rio uh, Tinto. I have eighty pages. Eighty. of people who are currently attending this event, and Elon Musk is not one of them. I'm sick and tired of morons out there saying stuff that they shouldn't be saying because they don't know what the heck they're talking about. And it's enough to make me want to rip my hair out, and I'm practically bald already, and I prefer not to be totally bald. I know eventually I'll probably take a shaver to my head, but not now. And you know what? It's enough to make me want to just cry there are so many people out there saying things they don't do their homework they don't read the list they don't look up the information they have no idea what they're talking about they got no basis in their accusations but they say things because they just think it and it's wrong all right it's wrong and i don't care who they are i don't care if they're guests of this show at the end of the day the proof's in the pudding and the like jesus said judge the tree by its fruit and Musk is out there releasing the Twitter files to impeach and allow the House of Rep- Representatives to put, ultimately, if there wasn't a crappy, you know, compromised Department of Justice right now under the shape-shifting reptilian that refers to itself as Biden, okay, if that wasn't in our way with the, with the House the way, in, in its current shape, Fauci would be in jail. All these entities would be in jail. Gates would be under investigation to be in jail. But the problem is they always have a backup plan. And their backup plan is that they control the Department of Justice. And if the Department of Justice doesn't go out and grab these people and throw them in jail, nothing's going to happen. And guess what? Glenn Beck's going to be right. Nothing happens. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody pays for a thing anymore. I don't expect that, to be honest. No. If they end up in jail, that's a miracle, but I think we have been way beyond that uh, level now with with Gates and all the others. And it is sad, but unfortunately that is true, true. And there's only one thing. There's still this galactic or this happily justice. When they die, they have to stand before God, so there's justice there, but... In the physical sense, don't expect that Gates and all the others that have been responsible for the many COVID deaths because of the promotion of the COVID vaccines and all that, don't expect that any of them will ever end up in jail. And no, yeah, it is no, I've, no I, I've been listening to that crap uh, for 12 years. I've dealt with... <sighs> God, what, thousands, thousands of people, unbelievable amounts of people on YouTube 
many of which were claiming that they were speaking on behalf of God, prophesying that Clinton would be arrested, the Pope would be arrested, this group would be arrested, the Rockefellers would be arrested, they'd be taken down to, you know, uh, Guantanamo Bay and all this other yeah. stuff. And I, I, and I just send an email and I'm like, no, they're not. It's still, no, they're not. still saying it. You still got websites I know on the, uh, YouTube. Because we're surrounded by a bunch of thumbtacks. Nobody puts any thought to, into anything. No one knows... I, it's enough. It, it, I mean, really, how do you deal with it? Remember that cartoon that's out there? This, it, it, it's a guy leaning back on his knees, and his head is on fire, and he goes, the stupid, it burns. You know that cartoon? Uh, I think, I don't, yes. I don't uh, know if you It sounds it. familiar. But it, it sounds it, familiar. It's, it's very, very hard to deal with. I mean, I actually have people, and I'm not, I would never name names, but I have people from being a talk show host uh, from uh, 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 Facebook that have made it on their, they made it into my list of people that can send me messages. Now, they're not sending me a message personally, they're sending a blast a message blast out to whoever will listen to them, who they think their possible listeners might be. And let me tell you something. They repeat the same stuff over and over again. There's going to be a rapture next week. Clintons are going to be arrested. Pub's going to be arrested. Fauci's going to jail. Trump will be in the Oval Office next week. I listen to it constantly, every single week over and over and over and over and I'm like what do you really mean to send this out can you honestly believe after being wrong 7 billion times that you're going to be right the next time how does that work yeah I know it's about what, what is it? What they say? Uh, people are doing everything uh, over and over, and ex- and every time they what was it again? Uh, from about sanity or something. But when you do things over and over, and I try to think what it was, but yeah, it is. Expecting it is insane. a different result. Yeah, expecting a different yeah. result. You do you do the same thing over and over again, expecting a yeah. different result. So if I keep on yeah. saying that the rapture will be next week, 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 maybe it'll be next week. If, and I'm like, come on, man, please, please, if, please. If I, if I had the dime of, yes, I could, you could be wealthy if you get every time a dime when someone says that or a pound or a dollar. It's, it's really insane and... Uh, yeah, they talk about it for the last twenty plus years, and yeah, it's it's the same BS with uh, the economic uh, world. Uh, eco- yeah, the World Economic Forum and all the others, and they talk about oh yeah, the flood is coming, or or the coastline is going to be uh, gone in ten years. With Al Gore, well, but with his uh, inconvenient truth, while at the same time. 
in the same period that he went on this lecture tour, he bought on Martha Vineyard a beach property of $7 million. Do you really think if he would believe his story that he would buy a $7 million property on the beach? I don't think so. And uh, I want to know what you so, think yeah. of all the rooms. I have a 2,000 square foot house and I haven't dusted but maybe two rooms in 20 years. Okay. So who's going to okay. dust all those rooms? So they've got to have, you know, maids and what, I don't know. I don't care. I, you know, I, and I'm not going to pray for them. I'm not. I'm not. There's too many innocent um, unbelievers that need prayer all across the world, and that's where my prayer power is going. Yeah. These entities, the darkness, I'm sorry, but they don't fit on my list. Okay, that's no. as simple as that. And if my doggy no, doesn't stop no, eating I, my I, microphone, I mean... my doggy is trying to eat my microphone. Hold on a second. Hannah, stop it. Hannah, stop eating my microphone wire. Okay, hold on. I think I got control of this situation. Okay. All right. She was okay. attacking my microphone wire, my doggy. Okay. She means well. But, you know, sometimes she gets hungry for electronics, I guess. <laughs> All right. Good luck with that if that happens. Uh, no, but with all those globalists that they, especially now with the World Economic Forum, with, uh, with their so-called climate emergency bs we have been hearing this we have been hearing this from the 1980s and every time they were wrong as far as they can be so there is no climate emergency that's a load of bs another another thing well i say now, hold, on, hold, on, hold, on, hold on hold on hold on come on let's be fair you know as well as i do that planet x is real you know as well as yeah. i do the winters are more intense than they've ever been. You know as well as I do that the glaciers are melting. So, yes, if you're talking about it from a Greta Thunberg's version, then all I can say is please, in the name of Jesus, put her in a prison and shut her the heck up. Okay, all that being said, you are right. They're using it for the agenda of the darkness. However, yes. we you know as well as I do, there is a planet X. You know as well as yes, I do, is. there are intense summers. There are intense fire uh, brush fires. There are unbelievable, uh, you know, like I told this, I, I had this conversation with um, some people at work and some other folks. And I said, and it's true. In 2004, there was a hurricane named Charlie. That year, four hurricanes hit Florida. It was a Florida homeowner's insurance changing nightmare. In 2004, in 2004, Hurricane Charlie was heading straight for Tampa, just as Ian was this year. Now, <clears throat> listen to this. When Hurricane Charlie, which was the Category 4, made a hard turn to the right and went into Punta Gorda, 
I joke you not, I was outside in my pool with a rum drink enjoying the day. Happy as can be that Hurricane Charlie did not come to Florida. Now, when Ian hit Fort Myers this year, a couple of months ago, the difference is that the storm was so large, same category, category four, the storm was so large that I was in my office praying to Jesus that the roof of my house would stay on. The intensity and the magnitude and the width, the breadth of these hurricanes is so huge compared to what they used to be 10 years ago that the meteorologists cannot even classify them properly. They call them Cat 4s, but they're more than Cat 4s. So, so it's not a Greta Thunberg problem like they would like everybody to think it is. A bunch of cows farting in a corner and a bunch of us using gas stoves and all that retarded, ridiculous, satanic garbage. The fact of the matter yeah. is that we're dealing with Planet X and they don't care that we know about it. They don't want us to know about it. They, it's irrelevant to them. They have an agenda. Not- They're using an emergency to, to create a dynamic that allows them to usher in their master plan, and it's, it doesn't matter what, what, what they got to say or do in order to have that master plan become a reality. Yeah. And that's the problem. We have the, the problems that they say we have. We have them. They are real problems, but but the but but the bigger problem is the ignorance of the general population and their willingness to become prey to these entities in their you know um, uh, four million dollar uh, Learjets and and it, oh gosh it's just so it's painful to even see it happening. Uh, sometimes I just want to I don't I want to go to Bomf um, Alberta. I want to go to Bomf Alberta. And like you know, live in the Fairmont at Lake Louise. It, does anybody know if there's a way to get like a, a a comp, a comp on a nice room for like I don't know, like a year at the Fairmont at Lake Louise? Because if you do, please email me at jbaptist777 at gmail dot com. Because I would like a comp there, and I would like to stay there, uh, you know, for at least a year. I'll leave after the year. I promise. But I just want to go there for a year and go hiking and enjoy the beauty, and it's incredible. And, have yes, you seen nature. it? Have you seen it? Have uh, you? I, I can't Bob? say I have, have but... Well, if you haven't, then you're a meathead, and you need to go to look on YouTube and, and, and read, you know, type into YouTube, BOMF, B-A-N-F, BOMF Alberta. Type it in and watch the YouTube video. You can even type in hiking in Bomf, Alberta, and you will have like a, a religious moment. It is so beautiful that it rivals uh, the Bavarian Alps. It's gorgeous. And I want to I go there and kind of like hang out for, I don't know, like a year, just a year, and have some room service and shrimp and stuff like that. I don't know if that's too much to ask. What do you think? I don't know. What do you no, think? it shouldn't. It's, 
It should it shouldn't because be. you work more well, you, you know work what? hard enough all for the it. Pastors of all the hey bro, all the pastors of all the churches, what do they do? They go to Israel and they stay in Israel for a week, sometimes for two weeks, and how do they get there? They get there on the tithe and offerings of their congregation. That's how they go to Israel and they hang out there for two weeks. I just want to go there. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I just want to, you know, it, I'll see plenty of Israel in heaven. The heavenly Jerusalem. I know. Hebrews 12:22. I'm not worried about seeing the earthly uh, Israel, and I darn sure am not going to take from the money that I give to poor people and people that are hurting and people that are desperate to eat food and to take a shower for the first time in several years so I can go on a trip to Israel. That upsets me. Sorry, did I yeah, show any emotion? That's okay. I'm- I'm sorry, I didn't mean to sound emotional, but I feel emotional about it. It seems wrong to me. Yeah. I I know what you mean, and uh, but that, by the way, with the weather, there's another component: the weather wars. That is one thing through all the high tech weapons that that they have above space, and but there's another thing. There was a couple of years ago a study done by one or two top-class universities in in the U.S. uh, in on the Department of Geology, and they took uh, Earth samples from 140,000 years ago and 148,000 years ago, and they saw in those samples that there was a period of heating up and a period of cooling down. So there is, again, also a natural cycle on top as well. Besides, of course, what's going on. Have you watched, sorry to interrupt, but have you watched, um, his name is Hammond, and he's got a um, a documentary series on Netflix called something like um, Cycles of the Apocalypse. And he's out there telling everybody, he's showing everybody the evidence that the earth has been through multiple cycles of apocalyptic events that were extinction level events. He shows people the evidence that the earth has been, you know what he's doing? He's actually, without even knowing it, he's proving Genesis 2 verse 7 to be true where it says these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when the Lord God Yahweh Elohim created the heavens and the earth. The fact of the matter is the earth has been through multiple apocalyptic extinction level events over millions of years of time. This is nothing new. Okay. And, uh, Right, and, and he's and, and this guy Hammond on uh, Netflix, and he, and he's very contested, and all the scientists are like, "How dare you? I've written a book about the the pyramids. You're absolutely wrong." And he's getting a lot of grief, but the reality is, what he's teaching people and what he's showing the evidence thereof is a fact. This planet has been through multiple extinction level events and God a la Genesis 1 through the multiple generations has re 
generated earth multiple times. The man and woman creature in Genesis 1 are not Adam and Eve, and it is a metaphor for multiple earth ages, exactly as it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. And Hammond is nailing it, and all the scientists are flipping out because it's messing with their silly books about how the pyramids were created by a bunch of uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Egyptians that had people whipping whips over their back to drag, know. you know, multiple stones up, a, up, a, up the side of a wall. This is ridiculous. It, 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 it's enough to make you t- completely lose it. I just the other day, bro, bro, the other day I was with my daughter at Applebee's, and she was like. Um, hit me again with another doubt thing. And she was like, um, how come, uh, I'm trying to think of what exactly what her hit was. Um, how come, um, it wasn't about 6,000 year old earth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was very much about, um, millions. Oh, I know what it was. She goes like, given the trillions of galaxies that are out there, given the, trillions of life forms that are likely also out there how is it that i'm supposed to believe what people are telling me in the church how is it that i'm supposed to believe in jesus and god and i told her i said think about it if there are trillions of galaxies trillions of life forms all over the universe and you just admitted it's true then why in the world wouldn't you believe there's a Darth Vader? Why in the world wouldn't you believe there's a Luke Skywalker? Why in the world wouldn't you believe that there is good and bad? Why would you think it was just one big, gigantic pool of trillions of life forces without any good, without any evil, with a bunch, and they're all holding hands and singing Kumbaya and going and visiting King Moon Racer on the Island of Misfit Toys? That doesn't make any sense. And she goes, oh, I never thought of it that way. And I'm like, well, you need to think of it that way. It never made sense to me. Uh, I'm done a reborn Christian, so I'm still very young then, in comparison to someone that is then born as a Christian from early childhood. But it never made sense that I heard in, in the church that they talked about that the earth is no, no older than between six and 12,000 years. Oh, my God. I, it's, it's incredible that still a lot of Christians seem to believe that. It's it's insanity, to be honest. And and then also they say, oh yeah, we are the only life form in the universe. Sorry, uh, if that is so, if, if that is the case, I believe God. Sorry for saying, but then God has created a piss poor job by creating us in how we are handling the earth and everything else. If we were the only creation of God. But it is insane that still a lot of Christians believe that the earth is no older than between six and 12,000 years. Uh, it's, it boggles the mind, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, that is something that never got into my, in, into my mind, how people can believe that the earth is only that young. Well, with all the proof out there and with all the galaxies uh, and everything else, 
it's such an insanity in a lot of Christians. And, yeah, it still boggles my mind, to be honest. And I almost get the urge when some Christians say that to, to take to take a book, the Bible or other book, and hit him on his head with it for his stupidity. Because how can you believe as a Christian that we are only 12,000 years old? It's an insanity. You know what I believe? I'm going to tell you, highly controversial, but totally in alignment with Ecclesiastes 1.9. Excuse me. I believe that what we are going through right now happens cyclically. Cyclically. Now, I've I've had a hard time figuring out where Lucifer fits into all this. And I wonder to myself how that works, and I don't know. But the concept of, you know, the, the, the Bible says that um, I will destroy the heavens and the earth, and I will recreate the heavens and the earth, which, by the way, fits the whole concept of, These are the generations of the heavens and the earth. And when the Lord God, Yahweh, Elohim, uh, created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 2, 7. So the concept of the earth being a cyclical uh, location where there is destruction um, and then regeneration, recreation, and new life forms, new populations, new whatever, that cycle of destruction and creation, destruction and creation, it has been established by so many people, not only archaeologically, but also uh, through remote viewers, which I know are kind of like, you know, I don't know, put it, diviners or whatever. So that's kind of bad. But my point is that the Bible, you know, the Bible never said anything. The, the Bible never said anything about, you know, Saul seeking Samuel, that it was wrong. It, it said it was wrong, but it didn't say it couldn't happen. And we all know that when Saul sought Samuel, that it did happen. We all know that Samuel rebukes Saul for doing that. So the capability to do it is a fact. We're told not to do it. So that's bad. But the reality is that when you look at the composite, the comprehensive collection of evidence, archaeological, spiritual prophetic, whatever you want to call it, regarding the earth and its existence, it is cyclical. It has extinction-level events on a regular basis, and then it regenerates with life. Now, what what we don't know is what is that life. Let's say there are 10 apocalyptic extinction-level event cycles 
that occur on the earth, 10 of them. What we don't know is what, when the earth is regenerated by the Spirit of God, what does that mean? Who or what beings are on the earth at that time? Could the earth be regenerated with dinosaurs? Could the earth be regenerated with the life that is Cro-Magnon man and, and Neanderthal man? We don't know what that cyclical regeneration of earth through that extinction level event wrought through God's creative creativity and awesomeness. We don't know. We don't know if we are simply one cycle of the Earth's um, apocalyptic extinction-level event cycles. And I'll take you back to Noah's Flood as an example. But my point is, are we just one of many? Are there other groups of us that have gone through this? Is it was it all subhuman life forms that repopulated the earth after each extinction level cycle? Was it dinosaurs only? Was it Neanderthal only? What was involved in each one of these? And are we the only pebble on the beach? Is it not yes. small-minded of us? Is it not small-minded of us to assume that we are the only pebble on the beach? Now, yeah, but that's what I meant. With Christians who seem to literally to believe that the Earth is now older than twelve thousand years, while we know through archaeology and all the other studies, uh, science uh, sciences. That the Earth is a much longer, and that there have been different extinctions. <laughs> there is another uh, part to this that we also talk about different timelines. So there could be still timelines in which, let's say, the dinosaurs could exist, and they could have evolved further to maybe even in a hominid form, us walking on two feet, etc. There could be still timelines in which you have also still the Neanderthal uh, men that evolved further. So those are also different dynamics again as well. I remember when I was using the Montauk project, I was sent with other kids through the portals, and we ended up in an, on a different timeline in which uh, around 1930. For on that timeline, there was a coup, coup taking place in the U.S. with an ultra-right-wing uh, military group that took over, and they had uh, made close connections with Nazi Germany, what also, of course, created a lot of problems for Britain and other countries, because they didn't have any uh, further allies in order to fight Nazi Germany. So there are different timelines out there with different outcomes. And as I said, uh, some of those timelines still could have dinosaurs roaming or dinosaurs that survived what happened on our timeline. And they could have evolved 
into upright walking uh, reptilians, what we have seen elsewhere in the universe. So there's a myriad of possibilities out there that we also have to keep in mind uh, when we talk when we talk about what you talked about in the Bible. So and uh, concerning with Lucifer. I know that the Bible talks about his rebellion, but there were multiple rebellions with Lucifer on a collective scale. So the rebellion was not only as the Bible, if you have to believe the Bible literally, that it was on a local scale connected with Earth, but there were multiple rebellions before that. So yeah, that makes the picture, of course, much more complex than the Bible, of course, led us to believe, and you and I know, of course, that the Bible has been manipulated through the Catholic Church and and other groups over the centuries. Some parts have been removed, but how would the Bible would have looked like looked like if the Book of Enoch should have been still part of it, as we see in the Ethiopian Bible? Because in the Ethiopian Bible. They they still have part, still uh, the Book of Enoch as part of it, part of their canon. What gives a completely different picture with the fallen angels and all the other beings? Unfortunate, of course, in our Western world and the Bible that we have now, the King James and all the others. Yeah, of course, a number of books has been removed. So we don't have the fuller picture as we still see in this case in the Ethiopian Bible in which they have the Book of Enoch uh, still in it. But yeah, as I said, the picture is quite complex. It is not uh, just uh, as what the church tells us. It is much wider. And again, we also have to keep in mind still the alternate, uh, the different timelines. Because there are multiple timelines running side by side. And that is also what we have to keep in mind. No, I believe that. No, I believe that. Um, Yeah, it's hard to piece all together. Um, It's hard to imagine. Can you imagine that um, we're in heaven and we're surrounded by brothers and sisters that we... every person that um, we brought on this show that has been taken to heaven, you know, testified that they were surrounded by brothers and sisters that they didn't know that knew them. And I found that to always be interesting. And I thought to myself, well, what proof do we have or what can we establish that says that each, all of the brothers and sisters that are in heaven, that we, that are living in our neighborhoods, that are part of our praise and worship of God, what is it that we stand on scripturally that says every single one of them is part of our earthly generation? We don't know that. No, we assume it. We assume it, but we really don't know that. We no, don't we have know. Been we about, 
Yeah, you know what I mean? Already talking, yes. People were already talking when Israel came into being. And people were already talking, oh yeah, within a number of years, then Jesus Christ will come back. While well, we now are about, what is it, 85 years later, or 80 years later, and still Jesus hasn't come, and there is still no uh, rapture and all that type of thing. So yeah, they have been saying this for a long time, and no one knows when it will happen. It will happen when it will happen, and... Jesus is not going to rush because people uh, is calling for him uh, or using emotional blackmail. Jesus comes when he feels it is his time to come. And so, yeah, we have to wait in the meantime and and keep us uh, ready for it. Do you know um, Bill uh, Hicks? He has sure. a couple of uh, he got a couple of uh, pieces with Jesus. One piece is I think with the dinosaurs and with the fish uh, symbol, and he is playing then Jesus or whatever, and asking why people still wearing crosses a cross while he was not crucified on the cross. But yeah, Bill Hicks is sometimes quite pointy on in his way. I don't think he was a Christian, I think, Bill Hicks. But he certainly made some good points in his shows. Unfortunately, he died way too early. I think by the age of 33. But then I can imagine in his shows, he was quite a danger to the establishment. So, yeah, no wonder that they made it uh, look like as if he died on lung cancer. What to me is a load of baloney because yeah he was a danger by opening up the eyes of people about uh, about the global elite I do wonder what he would have made from 9-11 if he would have been still around and the Patriot Act and all the other things that came out of it but uh, it's a shame that he died uh, way too early in 90 what was it 93 around that time Somewhere in the 90s. And, but uh, that uh, he made some good points. And I think that he also had one about uh, the, the weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, people have to look up uh, on, uh, on YouTube uh, his show called Revelation. Bill Hicks slash Revelation. And it's a, it's a great show. And there's a lot of truth hidden in it. I must say. So yeah, but there's uh, a lot of that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm agreeing with you. There's a lot of that out there. There's, um, I'm finding more and more movies that are prophetic. I'm finding more and more uh, uh, shows, apocalyptic TV series, that are um, talking about the truth and what's going to happen. Yes. Um, but you know, Hey, we're kind of stuck where we are. Um, yes. you know, until something big happens, um, according to the WEF, we're supposed to have a, a poly, poly, what did they say? Polyclysmic, uh, year, which is going to be filled with, you know, according to them, uh, you know, a number of 
bad events. Um, I get emails all the time from around the world, Spain and Belgium, you name it, of people that are convinced that, um, you know, things are going to get real bad real fast. Now, I am perpetually focused on 2024. I am very – now, I'm not saying that bad things aren't going to happen this year. That'd be silly. Um, what I'm saying is the big stuff is pointing to Trump in 2024, pointing to his assassination, pointing to, uh, you know, uh, uh, civil war in the United States, and ultimately leading to a series of uh, World War III events such as, uh, you know, Kim Jong-un sinking an aircraft carrier, Netanyahu uh, bombing the Fort Dow facility with, um, uh, you know, uh, tactical nukes. And we don't really even know where the Russian situation is going to go right now. I mean, right now, Russia Russia has – yeah, no, we've, we've continued to watch Russia restrain themselves they're now they're getting ready now and they're in progress now of unleashing their if you will final solution against the ukraine which is going to be overwhelming but what we don't know is what the west will do while this is occurring and whether or not it will trigger a greater event from Russia that never would have happened if the if NATO and the West had stayed out of it. So right now we're in a state of absolute uncertainty. The World Economic Forum includes the Ukraine-Russian situation as a major contributor to um, their ultimate goals, um, and we don't really even know why. So... You right see, now, by, we're just you see, by the way, yes. way, now a number of European countries trying to pull away from the whole Ukraine thing. Another thing is, I know that uh, Henry Kissinger has apparently been set, has said on the Davos uh, seminar uh, that Ukraine should uh, join NATO, but with NATO, you only can join if all the members have said, Yes. So if you got one country that says no, then Ukraine will not be able to join. And also for Europe and NATO, if a country wants to join, they, they have to go through a whole heap of paperwork. Because, yeah, Brussels, they love their bureaucracy with paperwork. So without the pay, right paperwork, unless Europe follows the advice of uh uh, Kissinger, what I don't hope. Uh, so yeah, if Europe can keep uh, continue with their paperwork, then it certainly can take a while if the U- Ukraine can ever join, because there are a number of countries, among them Tur- Turkey, who are against the Ukraine joining uh, NATO. So if one country is against it then Ukraine will never join NATO, and I certainly hope it won't, it ha- it won't happen. It doesn't matter. There is not enough military muscle left in NATO to mean diddly. 
There is not. No. Even if the, the U.S. put every single piece of equipment that we have into NATO right now, first off, it would take the better part of a year to get it all over there and get people trained up on it. And guess what? Yeah. That's not enough time. It's not enough time. By then, no. Russia will have turned it into burnt ground. It is a game over. Yeah. It is a matter of watching what happens. But what we don't know is whether or not there will be a major antagonistic event that is brought on. You can call it NATO. Let's just call it the West that triggers Russia into saying, okay, we've had enough. And we're going to go in and do more than what was part of our original plan. Um, I I believe that that eventually will happen, okay, but I just don't know when, and it could be a while. I would say uh, myself it would be the West. But it's the members who trigger it are the members that are that got a membership within the World Economic Forum, because they want this to happen, because then they can trigger their plans for their global reset. Right, I it's agree. Enough. Anyway, on that note, so, we're down to the last three minutes of the program. Will you go ahead and close with a prayer for us tonight? God bless you, brother. Uh, Thank yes. you for joining. You're welcome. I'm, I'm always glad to join. So and uh, there's always something going on. It's never boring on planet Earth. Sometimes I wish it was boring, but unfortunately it isn't. And so far, yeah, God has stopped us from blowing this uh, this planet up. And uh, thank God for that. Uh, yes. Okay, I will pray. Yeah, Lord Jesus Christ, I come before you on my behalf as Robert as your servant and as a survivor from this satanic agenda what's going on. And I ask you not only to protect John for the days and weeks to come and his uh, assistant, Nancy, but also all the listeners, Lord Jesus Christ, I ask you to keep them alert, give them the ears to hear, the eyes to see, and also with an open heart, Lord Jesus Christ, so that we can have compassion for the ones that are still seeking you, Lord Jesus Christ, because that is also important. And that all those listeners can give the knowledge that they have gained in this and other shows to others so that they can make their own, that others can make their own decision if they want to join join your legions as followers, Lord Jesus Christ. So I ask you to to open up the, the eyes, the ears of everyone that's listening to this today, tomorrow, whenever. And in also to other guests of the John's uh, shows, that all the listeners are le- learning a lot from it, and that they give the information through to others, Lord Jesus Christ, because the it, uh, we only can uh, defeat evil through knowledge, Lord Jesus Christ, and about your and about your way, Lord Jesus Christ. So I ask you for protection of the for every Christian out there, but I also ask you to open up the heart so far that is possible from world leaders, that it soften them up for your kingdom and for your will and for your plans, Lord Jesus Christ, for the days and weeks 
and even among the head Lord Jesus Christ. I ask you this in your holy and sacred name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Robert, for joining us. God bless you all for joining us. We will see you Friday night, Lord willing, at 7 p.m. at the prayer vigil. Thank you, Robert. God bless you, bro. You're welcome. God bless you, too. Take care.
Oh, this earth. 